everyone. Dr. Margaret Paul here with the Inner Bonding Podcast. So today I want to talk some more about relationships. Relationships are kind of up right now because a lot of people are struggling um, with the whole issue of COVID and being together and not being able to go out and do the things that they usually do. So I want to talk about something that's really, really important, and that is how do you keep love alive in a committed relationship? We know that being in love is really, really one of the highest experiences in life. But we also know that very often these feelings of being in love just seem to fade away. But there is one thing that you need to be aware of that diminishes love and really what to do to keep it alive. When I was 24 years old, I fell madly in love. And I was madly in love for three weeks when the love began to fade and I spent the next 30 years of my marriage trying to understand how, how, how do I get that love back? What, what happened and, and how, do, how do I maintain that really, really wonderful feeling. So in the course of my long marriage and the many years that I've been counseling individuals and couples, I have learned what it takes to keep love alive and what diminishes the feelings and experience of love. So the concept of what it takes to keep love alive is really quite a simple concept, but it's not at all easy to do. Sometimes what is simple just isn't very easy. So the simple answer is this. Love flows between two people whose hearts are open to learning and to sharing love. Now the the hard part of this is keeping our heart open. So let me talk about what doesn't work. Before I go more deeply into what does keep love alive, I want to talk about what doesn't work. I want to focus on um, uh, the bottom line of what diminishes or even eventually kills loving feelings, and that is controlling behavior, which, of course, we've all learned to do. We, we grew up Um, our our parents were controlling in different ways, our teachers were, religious leaders were, siblings were, we all absorbed many, many controlling behaviors. And there's two major forms of controlling behavior that always result in the dampening of loving feelings. So one of them is what I call overt control, which is like anger, blame, criticism, judgment, defensiveness, lecturing, teaching, righteousness, and of course, things like physical violence. These are overt forms of trying to get somebody to do what you want them to do. But then there's also covert forms of control. Lots of people don't realize that these are also forms of control. Things like withdrawal, withdrawing your love, from somebody can be extremely painful and is a form of control. Withholding the truth 
compliance, get, giving yourself up, going along with what others want in the hope that then they'll give you the love that you want. Resistance, just shutting down and resisting what anybody wants from you because you don't want to be controlled. Or things like denial, just just not facing what's happening, denying what's going on. So these are just a few of the both overt and covert ways of trying to control each other. Now, of course, none of us like to be controlled. And most people, in the face of controlling behavior, they react with resistance because they don't want to be controlled or with their own controlling behavior. So controlling behavior diminishes love because the focus is on changing the other person rather than on changing yourself. When the intention of your behavior is to change your partner's feelings or behavior, your behavior will often be experienced by your, by your partner as manipulative or as rejecting. So trying to change how someone feels about you or treats you with overt forms of control feels manipulative and rejecting to your partner, while covert forms of control, such as compliance or being overly nice, feels manipulative and inauthentic to the other person. So let's talk about um, what keeps love alive. The good news is that love can be kept alive even in long-term relationships. Love is kept alive when each person is more devoted to learning about being loving to themselves and sharing their love with each other than they are with getting love. The moment your intention is to get love, then controlling behavior takes over. So in any given moment, we either want to be loving and share our love or we want to get love. It's one or the other. And trying to get love diminishes love. Being loving and sharing keeps love alive. So being loving and sharing love means that through your inner bonding practice, and if you haven't learned inner bonding, I hope you go to our website and take our free seven-day inner bonding course, through the practice of inner bonding, you each learn to love yourself. You each learn to take responsibility for your own feelings rather than making the other person responsible for your feelings of worth, your feelings of lovability, safety, security, happiness, joy, pain. You're taking responsibility for these feelings rather than handing over to the other person that responsibility. Well, and in codependent relationships, they're handing it to you. And of course, we can never do it well enough for the other person because it's really our responsibility to be doing that for ourselves. So being loving and sharing love means that each of you have your own highest good and your partner's highest good at heart. Each of you supports your own and your partner's joy and well-being. Both of you are considerate of the other person without giving yourself up. It's never loving to ourselves uh, to not care about the effect that our behavior has on others, but it's also no, not loving to caretake them by giving ourselves up. So being loving and sharing love also means that each person chooses to be honest and authentic about how you feel and what you want and what you don't want. 
you're willing to speak your total truth without blame and without judgment. And it also means that each person stays open to learning about your own and your partner's wants and needs and fears, especially in conflict. Now, this is challenging, of course, but it's so important to learn to stay open in conflict rather than revert to just controlling behavior. And if you think about the conflicts you've been in, they just don't get resolved when you revert to controlling behavior. And then, of course, that's eroding the love. So it's so important to learn to stay open, even if the other person is not open, at least being open to yourself and to taking responsibility for your own feelings. And it also means, being loving and sharing love, also means that each of you stays open to learning regarding how you might be abandoning yourself. Because it's self-abandonment that leads to our controlling behavior. When we're not taking responsibility for ourselves, for learning to love ourselves, then we abandon ourselves in, in various ways, judging ourselves, uh, um, turning to addition. Uh, turning to addictions, making the other person responsible, ignoring our feelings, and then because we're abandoning ourselves, we then try and control the other person, which is, of course, what erodes the love. So what keeps love alive is each person's willingness to do their inner bonding work necessary to keep their heart open to loving and learning. Controlling behavior is motivated by fear. It's motivated by a loss of yourself, or a loss of the other person. It's motivated by a fear of engulfment or rejection, of smothering or abandonment. So when each person is willing to do the, the inner bonding work necessary to heal these fears, then they're able to keep their hearts open more and more of the time. And as I said, love flows freely when hearts are open to loving and open to learning. So, of course, practicing inner bonding is a very powerful way of keeping love alive. Partners who both consistently practice this process discover the great joy in sharing love, which for me is the most extraordinary experience in life. And my experience is, is that even when it seems like there's no way to get love back, it does come back when both partners are devoted to learning to take loving care of themselves and to sharing their love with each other. I, I've worked with people who were ready for divorce. They felt that you know they were out of love. There was no way to get love back. But when they were both willing to open to learning about loving themselves, they became able to share love and their love came back. We can't give to another person what we don't have within ourselves. And inner bonding is such a powerful process for creating so much love inside that it just comes pouring out to be shared with others. Now, we know, I think most of us know, that intimacy and connection with each other is a great part of the aliveness of life. And most of us would love to have intimacy and connection with our partner. But until we're intimate and connected with ourselves, 
we cannot experience the great joy in life, which is intimacy and connection with others. And I've talked before about creating our inner family, the family between our higher self, our loving adult in our heart, our inner child, which is our feelings. And when we create this internal connection, when we have intimacy with ourselves and intimacy with our higher self, then we can have intimacy with each other. So the question becomes, what creates alienation and division within yourself? So it's one thing that I've spoken of here in another podcast, self-abandonment. To understand self-abandonment, let's take an analogy. Let's say you have a small child who comes to you upset or crying. So there's four major ways you can abandon this child. Maybe you're distracted, you're in your mind, rather than present in your heart with your child. If you stay distracted in your left brain thoughts, rather than getting with the child, being present in your heart with caring and kindness, the child will feel unloved, unimportant, and abandoned, and maybe angry. This is what you might be doing with yourself, staying in your mind rather than being present in your heart, avoiding your feelings rather than compassionately attending to them. So this is one of the major forms of self-abandonment, staying up in your head instead of being present in your body, which is where your feelings are so that you can attend to them the moment you feel anything other than peace inside. So again, let's say the child comes to you upset and you judge the child. You say things to the child like, what's the matter with you? This is no big deal. I'll give you something to cry about. Well, of course, the child's going to feel unloved, shamed, and abandoned. Now, this is what you might be doing to yourself. In fact, I've never worked with somebody who doesn't have a wounded ego that's judging themselves judging themselves for their feelings, judging themselves for all kinds of things. They're not good enough. They're not worthy. They're not lovable. Rather than compassionately attending to your feelings. So when you're judging your feelings, you're going to end up feeling alone, empty, depressed, anxious, shamed. This is what depression does. Then you might be ignoring those feelings by staying in your head. You can begin to see how you're creating that aloneness and emptiness inside, that anxiety and depression and feelings of low self-worth. And then you want your partner to love you, to, to take away all that pain, but you're the one causing it. You're the one who has to do something about it. So a third way that we commonly abandon ourselves is we turn to various addictions. So let's say, again, The child comes to you upset, and instead of attending to the child, you grab a drink or a cigarette or food, or you turn on the TV, or or you go to your computer. Of course, the child's going to feel unloved, alone, ignored, abandoned. When you turn to your addictions, rather than attend to your own feelings with with a desire to learn and take responsibility for them, you're also going to feel alone and empty and unlovable and abandoned, just like a child would. Now again, the child comes to you upset, angry, crying, whatever. 
And instead of dealing with the child, you try and get somebody else. You, you try and say, oh, go, go to your father, go to the neighbor, go to your grandparents. Somebody else will deal with it. If you take the child by the hand and go from neighbor to neighbor saying, this child's upset. Will you deal with him or her? I don't want to. Of course, the child's going to feel deeply unloved, so unimportant, and deeply abandoned. And how often do you do this with your own feelings? How often do you make others responsible for making you feel safe and secure and worthy and happy? And then you spend a lot of energy trying to have control over getting others to love you because you've handed them your feelings. You've handed that feeling part of you, that inner child, over to them. You've made them responsible. And now, of course, you have to try and control them instead of learning to love yourself. And when you do that, you're going to feel anxious. You're going to feel alone, depressed, angry, disconnected, empty. And then, of course, you're going to try and control even more. Think about your parents or other caregivers. Did they role model loving themselves or abandoning themselves? If they abandoned themselves, then where would you have learned to love yourself? Maybe you know that you need to love yourself and you even want to love yourself but you don't know how. I want you to know that inner bonding is a very complete process for learning how to stop abandoning yourself and start learning how to love yourself. It gives you all the tools you need to stop being alienated from yourself and start being intimate and connected with yourself. It develops your ability to tap into the profound role modeling from your higher guidance which is always available to all of us and which develops your, in, your ability to take responsibility for your own feelings. Actually practicing inner bonding creates new neural pathways in your higher brain for the loving adult. And when you learn how to be intimate and connected with yourself, your anxiety, your depression, your emptiness, your anger, your addictions, and your relationships will heal. Then you're going to stop trying to control your partner and others into giving you what you're not giving to yourself. Then you can be intimate and connected with your partner. Then you can keep love alive. And truly, it doesn't matter how long you've been together. It doesn't matter how long you've been distant and disconnected from each other. When you learn to love yourself, connect with yourself, and connect with your higher guidance, and get filled with love to share with your partner, and your partner is willing to learn to do the same, the love will start to flow between you. In all these years, 52 years that I've been helping couples, I've seen this work over and over again. I've seen couples who were so distant completely heal their relationship 
even back into making love when they haven't had sex in a very long time. Love flows between us when we learn to love ourselves. So I really encourage you to go to innerbonding.com to take our free course if you don't know interbonding, to take some of my other courses, especially the Love Yourself course and the Wildly, Deeply, Joyously in Love Relationship course, which has been hugely successful in helping people heal their relationships. There's so much free information on the Interbonding website. I hope you take advantage of it. Sending all of you love and blessings.